welcome to the podcast of Finchley Progressive Synagogue. My name is Rabbi Neil Jaynes and I'm the Rabbi of Finchley Progressive Synagogue. More information about the synagogue can be found on our website www.fps.org. Shanatova, the new year of 5770 is finally here, and I thought on this podcast from Finchley Progressive Synagogue that I would give you just a flavour of my sermon from Rosh Hashanah morning that I delivered in the family service. Over the course of our lives, I can't imagine how many new beginnings we might individually have. I was thinking back through memories I have of key moments of beginnings as I wrote my sermon. I can remember distinctly standing at the bus stop waiting for the coach to school, and interestingly, I cannot remember at all my first days at any school. However, my first day at university, or at least in halls of residence, is very clear, perhaps because I had been greeted in the flat in which I was living by one or two people as I unpacked, and then had to explain to them that I was only staying for two nights because I was Jewish and it was Rosh Hashanah. New job, new relationship, new country, new house, new married life. Pretty much continuously we have new beginnings in our lives. Each time they occur we experience a sort of loss of the old way, even while we anticipate the new. The known former state may be romantically remembered or gladly escaped, but in knowing it we feel a sense of security that can be comforting no matter how positive the change. But then there is the change, the excitement, the fresh and challenging beginning. As children, I can remember, I used to count sleeps until a birthday or a holiday. But as adults, we tend to be a little bit more restrained in our anticipation. I wonder to myself, does Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, hold the same excitement and sense of new beginning as other fresh starts? According to Jewish tradition, it is the birthday of the world, I don't for one moment consider the world to be actually only 5,770 years old, but I do find myself drawn to appreciate the significance of marking another year in the history of years. It is in some ways totally arbitrary that we measure the year from now, but on the other hand, it makes total sense. The cycle of seasons is once again visible. The days are getting shorter, the land is beginning to prepare for its slumber before renewed growth of the spring. If we lived in an agricultural world like the ancient Israelites, a real anxiety would be present about what the next harvest would produce. Would God look favourably upon the land and our efforts to cultivate it? In fact, we know from ancient Near Eastern cultures, some predating the ancient Israelite religion, that there may have been different traditions regarding the new year. Some may have held it in spring and some at the end of the summer and beginning of autumn. In Judaism, we do actually retain this view, with Nisan, the month in which falls Pesach, being considered to be the first month, in spring, whilst Tishri, the month in which we find Rosh Hashanah, contains the first day of the year. Actually, some people have suggested that the ancient Babylonian and Canaanite custom of reinstalling the king, a yearly enthronement, filtered into the practices of the ancient Israelites, Of course not all agree with this, but the idea of enthroning a king is not altogether strange at this time of year for Jews. In our liturgy, we have an entire section called Malchoyot, kingship. 
of course the king referred to in our liturgy as God and not the human ruler. However, it is a powerful notion to consider that at this time of year we re-acknowledge that we are not the centre of the universe. It is not we who are sovereign over the world, and don't we know it. We only have to look around to see either the damage we have recklessly inflicted on the world or to see how much we are not masters of the natural world. Rosh Hashanah, from this point of view, is a renewal of sorts. Effectively, we remind ourselves that human beings, no matter their achievements, cannot dominate, control, master or subordinate the world around us. We are not kings and queens of this tiny planet. Now in the ancient world, in fact for a lot of history, kings had the power to literally decide who lived and who died. The book of life was not figurative but real, and this image of the monarch is transposed onto God. Once enthroned, we pray that the relationship established over time is remembered. Zichronot. Remembrance is all about our relationships. If Malchuyot is the reminder of our smallness and that we try as we might, are not masters of the universe, Zichronot is a call to live in relation. Martin Buber describes how it is only in either relation with the other that we cause the eternal thou, God, to dwell amongst us. When we do not use, categorize, or dehumanize our fellow human beings, we bring into relation the eternal thou. It is those moments that we pray are remembered, the remembrance of relation. We might enthrone, but we are also partners. There may be an imbalance of power, but partners nonetheless. We desire that we are remembered and that our past is remembered, that God therefore takes a positive account of us and fulfills God's side of the covenant. We also sing the melodic prayer, Avinu Malkenu, our Creator, our Sovereign, in which we pray that though we seem as if we have no deeds to our credit, we hope that we will be dealt with in love and kindness. Will we deal with one another as charitably? The human-to-human -human relationships may need to be helped to change, just as much as the divine-human relationship. We look around us and see a world in which war, greed, injustice and oppression are still daily parts of many people's lives. What will it take to change that? Shofarot, wake-up call, the change to us, the change in God. As the Shofar blasts this Rosh Hashanah, let it bestir within us a change. It is, after all, like an alarm call. The rabbis of old imagined that it even had the power to shift God from a position of strict justice to one of compassion and mercy. We are all in need of mercy, and we all need to show it to one another. That's the problem, you see, with all this praying, and why the primal non-verbal cry of the Shofar perhaps cuts through our hardened shells. So many words, so much said. How much is actually done? It is really idolatry to pray so much if there is no deed to accompany it, perhaps even slanderous. We slander ourselves, and we slander God. It is hypocrisy at its worst, because it is shrouded in holy piety. That is why we need the shofar. The shofar shatters the callousness that we build up within us. It is the symbol of change. It brings us to a point of new beginning. It heralds a fresh start and an opportunity. It opens a chink of light through which we can see something different, something worth occupying our attention. It is only a chink of light that we need, for as we read in our Salichot service before Rosh Hashanah, the Holy One ever to be praised says to Israel, 
opened for me one gate of repentance by as little as the point of a needle, and I will open for you gates wide enough for carriages and coaches to pass through. This is the new beginning we have been looking for, the new beginning that is realistic about what is wrong, yet hopeful that the change is possible, and renewal of purpose and of our relationships may be accomplished. I have found, almost more than anything this year, that this renewal of hope has been one of the hardest things to cling on to. There has been a great deal of turmoil in the world. Only a year ago the economy was beginning the massive descent, the depths of which we still find ourselves in and people are still suffering from. Violence continues to rage in many parts of the world and in the turn of the Gregorian calendar, war once again broke out in Israel and Gaza. A massive health scare reared its head in the form of swine flu, a reminder that many parts of the world still struggle under the effects of serious failings in healthcare and from diseases that in the rich West we have been able to either eradicate or manage. The BNP won seats in the European elections, and extremist views of people who are different from ourselves held sway over many more than we would like to see. So the list goes on. We are definitely not kings and queens of this little planet. The shofar, then, is more than just a wake-up call to change, to renew, to connect in relation with the world and with people around us, to recognise that we are not kings and queens, able to rule in absolutist fashion. No one is sovereign over all. That role is for God alone. The shofar is more than all of that. It is a plaintive cry of hope. It is the kol de mamad lakar, a still, small voice reminding us that there have always been challenges and difficulties. We, who are Jews, have known that for centuries, yet the shofar was always blown. The shofar has been a symbol, a reminder, a voice for change. Let it be that in your hearts. Change for goodness, for yourselves, your families, for our community and for our world. Whether you renew your devotion to those you love and repair the relationships with those with whom you have fought, a renewal of participation in living in community, or a renewal of the endless pursuit of tikkun ha'olam, of making the world set right beneath the sovereignty of God. Whatever your renewal, let the shofar help you find the strength to accomplish it, to fill your words in this time with meaning. The shofar is an eagerly anticipated opportunity, a new beginning, a new leaf in the book of our lives, let us all have the courage and conviction to write in it. Shana Tova. You've been listening to the podcast from Finchley Progressive Synagogue. More information about the synagogue can be found on the synagogue website www.fps.org.